continue on giving worship to God. And that this morning, we will be reading scripture from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 20 in the English uh, Standard Version. You can follow along with me or at home. Uh, the words will be underneath. And please join me for the scripture reading. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your teach, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, truly we are humble to receive you, and we pray that all would receive you. As we receive you, we turn our hearts and receive the Father, who has, in actuality, you received us sinners. And God, in a world where there is such strife, in the midst of pandemic, with hearts that are full of greed and lust, envy, we ask that you would continue to wash us by your son's blood. Draw us close to you and help us to have ears to hear your words 
And God, may you speak boldly through uh, my mouth that it would not be mine, but it would be for your glory. Thank you, Father, for this morning, for your word and your son. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, good morning again. And just as a starter, when we think about world powers and when we think about world conquerors, we think of Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, Caesar. And I asked my children, can you name one thing from their history that they did that was astoundingly humble? And we couldn't think of anything. Alexander the Great had inklings of humility, according to historians, but no one stands out like Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And so this is what we want to talk about this morning. In John 13, 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What do you do when you spend three years with the community? What do you do when you have friends that you've been so close with that you literally slept, ate, and did life for three years, and you're about to depart? In today's society, we get a, maybe an Olive Garden gift card. We write letters of encouragement. We say thank you. And it tells us he loved them to the end. How? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He loved them to the end by washing the disciples' feet. We don't do that often today in America. In fact, if you came to my house and I served you dinner and I said, hold on a second, and I bring out a basin and I start taking your socks off and grab your feet, I don't think you might want to stay for dinner. I fa in fact, I know that half the people that I do that to will never talk to me again. That's probably true. <laughs> it's kind of strange to go to uh, someone's house and have your feet washed these days. And so churches today, they do have foot washing still. And it's usually on Monday, Thursday, the day before Good Friday, where they replicate this event of the Last Supper. And sometimes I did it as a youth group at a retreat, and family members wash each other's feet as a sign of reconciliation and serving. But we don't necessarily do this. So this is truly figurative. It can be literal, but when we say wash the feet, it's, there's something more to it than that. You know, when you wash someone's feet, uh, it's humbling in, in, in every way. So one, physically, you have to get low and you have to take their socks off. It, it's humbling when you are in a posture where they're looking down at you and you're looking up with a rag and you're cleaning through their toes and wiping their heels. It's humbling physically. It's humbling in your stature because you don't relegate this to the, the guest of honor. You relegate it to slaves, as they did in Jesus' time, to servants. Um, I do remember when I was young, my mom said, hey, can you give me a massage for my feet? And I was like eight years old. My, my mom worked tirelessly as a, at a factory at that time. So I would, I would go and wash, wipe her feet, and, and I remember just, just how hard it was and and it was a joy to do it, but I was her son. You don't go to the, you don't go to the CEO of a company and say, hey, uh, would you wash my feet? <laughs> it's, it's relegated to humble postures. But it's also socially very, uh, very similarly, there's a hierarchy, it seems, of who washes feet. And this is why the disciples were so perplexed. How does this Jesus, who claims to be the Messiah, do such an act? And 
we're, we've been journeying through the story, through the whole Bible, and we realize Jesus is more than just an inspirational leader or a teacher. He's more than a role model. He's this Messiah. He's God incarnate. But this is a God I would follow because this is the only God who does the most radically humble things for us. Humility is a word that we pray for for our leaders. Humility is something that we pray for our, our politicians. And so washing feet is something that may be bizarre, but it's so needed in all leaders today in every sphere of life. It's needed today, especially for those who are following Christ. He says, don't try to be a servant. He says, you, you are a servant. Just can you imagine, um, well, I'm a pastor, and one of the things that I recognize is God put me in this role. Whether I'm a good pastor or a bad pastor, God called me, and I'm following God's commands. And one of the fears I have, if I could be candid with you, is growing up in Korean church or, or even American churches, this image that people have of pastors is this, oh, great one, or, or someone, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're so reverent, you're, you're very important. And the fear that I have is that's going to really get to my head. I'm going to actually believe I am more important than anyone else. So think about it. A fear that I have is I see a child, I see someone who's living an immoral life, they come to church where they belong, and I say, oh, man, I am so much better than them. So how do you keep humble? How do you not let success of ministry, of business, of family, of wealth get to your head? And Jesus gives us the answer. Be a foot washer. Be humble. Be a servant who is willing to do the lowliest job. And so Jesus did more than just model this. He commands it. And so if we look at John 13, verse 12 through 15, listen to what Jesus says. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, there's the emphasis, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I think the words that I would put in, whose feet would you never wash? If Jesus is God and he's willing to wash our feet, who is beneath you that you could never wash their feet? That's, that's the idea Jesus is saying. He continues in his words, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. This was to be passed on disciple to disciple to church after church. This is why in the Christian church, there is nobody who sets themselves apart from others as superior. It doesn't, it's a contradiction of what Christ is teaching. Whether you're a deacon, you're an elder, you're a pastor, you're a longtime member, whether you're the greatest singer in the church and the whole church counts on your choir singing, whoever you, whoever you may be, you are always called to be a foot washer. Two times Jesus commands it, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You, you should do just as I have done to you. And so everyone at home watching, if you consider yourselves to be a follower of Christ, if on that box you check Christian amongst religions, this is what you have signed up for. You're not trying to be a servant. You are by nature, by the grace of Jesus Christ, a servant. The lowliest things that we can do is to be humble servants. 
So can you think about, here's the good news. Think about the implication if everybody lived as a foot-washing servant. How would marriages be different at your home if your wife or your husband saw themselves as humble foot-washing servants of the other? How would society and politicians change? You know, we call them public what? Politicians are public servants. We have it even in our pop culture. What would it look like if they saw themselves as not as those who have leveraged power, but they have that power as a stewardship to be servants? And so this is how Jesus changes the world. He doesn't change the world by an election. He doesn't change the world using policies. If you look at all of history, 2,000 years, he changes world by servants who subvert the powerful by living this authentic, genuine servant life, obedient to one. This is how we change society. And so I want to explore foot washing, and, and I wish I had a, somebody here, I, I could wash their feet, and I wish I thought of that sooner. But what is powerful about foot washing, and I want to give you five things, just, and just to remind us how we can do this. So if you say, I can't walk around with a basin and a towel, Pastor Jason, and go up to someone in the street and wash their feet. No, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't do that. You'll get arrested. So, so how do we do this in a way where it's practical and real in church and life and society, in your own life? And I want to give you five reasons why this foot washing was so powerful. First, foot washing is not an activity. It's an identity. It's an identity. If you focus on washing feet as an activity that I have to do, it's like, oh, I got to do this. But what does Jesus do? Because I am a servant, this is what I enjoy doing. This is what I do. This is what I was made for. When we serve, if you see service as an activity that you have on your iPhone as a to-do list, it's like, I'll do it when I can. I'll do it when it's convenient. But if you serve out of an identity I'm your servant. How can I help? Then there is nothing that you wouldn't do. And so Jesus himself, he didn't do it out of an activity. He did it out of the overflow of his identity. And so Jesus comes here as God, as a human baby. Jesus grows and to die on the cross, does he do simple activities? Or is he living out his identity? You know the answer. He is the suffering servant. The invitation of Christ is not how to go to heaven or how to avoid hell. Evangelicals have made a mess of that. That is not the good news. The good news is God doesn't demand something of you. God offers something to you, and it's his son Jesus who changes not only your life, your whole identity, and we become servants. And so if Jesus washed my feet, who will I not serve? It is an identity, not an activity. So second, foot washing is absolute selflessness. Now, if I could be honest, man, it is harder and harder to find people that you look at and you realize that is a selfless person. I'm just being honest. Look around your life and spheres. Not people who are nice to you, even 
even robbers and criminals and thieves are nice to each other. Who is truly selfless? It's getting harder because we live in this society that says it's all about you. Foot washing is the epitome then of selflessness. Nothing causes more pain in marriage, in churches, in politics, and dysfunctions are centered around self-centeredness. So there's a strange juxtaposition in John 13. You have Jesus on the one hand washing the feet of his disciples, who is Lord and teacher, getting on his feet, peeling away the crusty dirt, human, like just animal feces, and just mud and wiping their feet. And then you have Judas, who is plotting to arrest and betray his master because Jesus wouldn't give Judas what Judas wanted, which was to conquer Rome. Judas realized Jesus was not the Messiah in his mind. And once that happened, Judas checked out and everything Jesus did was meaningless. That's self-centeredness. It was this inability to see reality because I'm so caught up with myself. And so selflessness requires sacrifice. Selflessness requires putting others, and get this part, even your enemies. Whose feet did Jesus wash? Judas. So this idea of being foot washers, we have to be wired into, as followers of Christ, I am putting you ahead of me. I like the third one. The third thing powerful about foot washing, and actually I'm, I'm very frugal, it's that it's so simple. What did Jesus need to wash feet? Bed, bath, and beyond lotions? You know, a loofah? Did he need like a special sponge? It says he got up, took off his outer garment, picked up a towel, got some bowl of water, and proceeded to wash. All he needed was water, bowl, and towel. The simplicity of service is, is so beautiful. We make so many, you know you make excuses. We make excuses to get out of dirty work or helping others. And Jesus uses simple things. We make things so complicated, Jesus makes it simple. All Jesus needed was that. The simple things in life I found out in pandemic was that God has already given us all that we need to do his work. I'm going to say that again. God has given us everything we need to do his work already. He doesn't need a huge TV antenna and a network TV station. God has given that to us. The simple things that, require, that we need to do humble service is what? Maybe a little time. Two minutes to call somebody, your phone. How are you doing? I know that it's been hard. You're, being, you're lonely. Or maybe a small gift saying, hey, I appreciate you. You matter. It's amazing how much a little note picks up people. This act of service is not complicated. It's so simple. We just don't do it, not because it's expensive or costly or extravagant. It's because we're not thinking about others. And so besides the cross, this was Jesus' most beautiful act, and it was so simple. Next one, this washing the feet. I love this one. It subverts egotistical power. It subverts power. Jesus turns the rules of importance on its head. John 13, 6 8 says this. Listen to Peter. We get it from Peter. Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand. 
now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, and I genuinely think he said it out of love and reverence and revere for Christ. But listen, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now, why did Peter reject Jesus? Because Jesus is Messiah. You don't do this. But Jesus is exposing something there in Peter. That's in a lot of us. People with title, with importance, should not be doing this. I.e., people who are not as important, people who are lowly, it's their job. Young adults, when you get a job, one of the great rules of employment in America, you never say this phrase. You ready? You never say, it's not my job. Just, I just saved you firing. You never say that. Even if it's not your job, when someone says, why did this happen? You, say, you never say, it's not my job. You say, you know what? Can I take care of it? I have the time. I've been working on this. I think I could do it. Looks good. Buy me dinner if you get a raise. But never say it's not my job. But the society and the world, we have this idea that we label people's importance. And Peter said, oh, you're the Messiah. You, you don't do this stuff. But he doesn't know God, does he? He doesn't know that our God is not a God who lives on human superiority levels. But because we have a God who is humble. This is the true God. Isn't that good news? That we don't have a God on the throne saying, I am the greatest. He is holy, he is worthy of glory, and he is almighty, but yet he also has his ability to humble himself to be our Savior. And so Jesus backs away, John 13, 14, 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what's Jesus doing here? He's chopping it down. You also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, there is no one in this world that you can't serve, and you will never be that significant that you shouldn't serve. Being a servant not only blesses others, it changes us. It makes us more and more like Christ. Wow. So if you want to grow in Christ, serve. If you never served in Sunday school or food or cleaning up, and you're like, I just feel spiritually dry, serve. Because you were meant to be a servant. Lastly is this. I notice foot washing, it propels generosity. It's, it's draft. So you're like, where, hey, where's the generosity there? Well, how does God bring sinners to repentance? How does God bless sinners and wicked people? How does he change their heart? If you look in the Bible, it's very rare that Jesus says, I will destroy you. Maybe in Nineveh. But if you look at most of the ways that Jesus reaches people, it's through his grace and mercy. In fact, Paul writes, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. I notice as a parent, when I try to yell at my kids and make them do the right thing, it doesn't have long-term impact. But if it's like, hey, great job. Hey, I know you tried hard. It's harder to do this, but that makes long-term impact. Generosity changes attitudes. Generosity is more powerful than guilt or condemning. And this is what Jesus does here. He washes the feet of Judas, knowing in that very phrase, not every one of you is really clean. But he washes Judas' feet. That's generous. Generosity is not what you give to your friends or people you like. 
It's what are you willing to give even to enemies? I want to read you a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Christian must treat his enemy as a brother and requit his hostility with love. His behavior must not be determined by the way others treat him, but by the treatment he himself receives from Jesus. It has only one source, and that is the will of Jesus. Makes sense. The way I treat others is influenced by only one thing. How did Jesus treat me? And how did Jesus treat you and me? With grace, kindness, patience, love, mercy. We have a divided nation. Elections couldn't have been more down the middle. Electoral votes are whoppingly on one side. But if you look at all the votes, how do you bridge this? It is generosity. It is grace. It is the ability to humble ourselves and to become one. I actually appreciated President-elect Biden's speech last night. It is time for the nation to heal, and I will be the president of all who voted. And I hope and I pray that he will hold to that. Judas did not respond to Jesus' generosity, but that's on Judas. I love how Jesus reached out to him. Um, quick story. We have neighbors along our church, and I'm glad we're worshiping indoors because I was like, I can't share this because they could hear us. But we have some neighbors who are throwing glass bottles into our parking lot, and it was dangerous because we have preschool. I got so angry, and a few elders and I got angry, and I wanted to get the bottles, put in a box, knock on their door and say, you dropped this, this is yours, thank you, and walk away. And I realized that may not be Christian. So I thought about what is a better way to do it, and I thought about Jesus and how he would do it. And I think Jesus would respond over and over with grace and love. And so we went over and beyond, and we bought these nice baskets from Costco. And we bought all, for all houses that were attached to us. Well, we don't know how the impact of it will be, but we haven't seen bottles. But two neighbors were just blown away and wrote letters to us. Why, where did this come from? Is this the wrong house? They were, over, they were blown away by the generosity of grace. They said, oh, you guys are fine. Thank you for being our neighbor. And it was just amazing to see the response to generous grace. What did that cost us? A few bucks? But how does that impact? It's priceless. And so this is what Jesus is calling us to be. Be feet-washing servants. Be a foot washer. You want to grow to be like Christ? Start down below. And so we begin by just two things as we wrap up. We have to be washed by Jesus. John 13, 8 through 10, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Did you hear what Jesus says? If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You don't just become nice servants. If you want to be the servant of all like Christ, you want to be like him, you need to be washed by Jesus. You need to have faith in Jesus. You need to realize what Jesus has done for you. And that's the beginning process of breaking our pride, our ego, our self-centeredness. And we realize, but by the grace of God alone, I am, I am lost. And so the second thing is aspire to be foot washers. Aspire to be servants. And we do that by fixing our eyes on Christ, remembering every day we need his mercy so we could give mercy. 
Every day we need his grace so we could give grace. And every day we need to give him every attention because he gave all of his attention to us so that we could be the presence to this world. I love the ending of this hymn, Jesus Paid It All. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone came and changed the leper's spots and it melts the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Grace changes people. It changes the most stubborn of us. And grace saved us. Let us be foot washers, pursuing the greatest foot washer who gave his life on the cross. Lord, it is our prayer. We turn to you. We pray in general for the whole nation that God, that teach us to be servants. Teach us to be mindful of one another. Teach us to be mindful of the other side. Bridge the gaps. God, change the church. Bring revival in the churches through abject humility and servanthood. Reminding us that we are not just blessed children of God who receive your, your pouring out of favors. We are also servants. We are slaves to you. And God, may that gird our identity. And may we live for you because you are the humble king. We love you. In your name we pray.